Hello, and thank you for tuning in to Imperial Beverage Presents Another Round. Uh, I am here joined by Courtney, our only spirits brand manager. Hello. As well as the owner of Long Road Distillers and Kevin. Hello. <laughs> we are here to discuss a little bit about where Long Road Distillers came from, their origin story, what they do, what they make, and how they do it. Thank you guys so much for joining us today, and thank you for having us at your wonderful facility. Thanks for coming. Yeah, thanks for the opportunity to do this with you guys. This is great. Uh, we're, we're absolutely overjoyed to be able to do this. Um, so why don't we start off with you guys telling us a little bit about the origin of Long Road Distillers, how you guys started, and um, yeah, what you guys do, how you do it. Great. Well, yeah, well, uh, we should take these shots of Aquavit to get warmed up. I already took mine. Right. Cheers. Skull. Cheers in an empty glass where you drank mine. <laughs> I saw that. It was your warm-up drink. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and Kevin got started early. Uh, yeah, so I'm John, I'm the uh, co-owner and co-founder here at Long Road, and uh, yeah, we just had a little sip of uh, some Akavit there. Uh, so yeah, our story begins so about nine years ago. My business partner Kyle and I, uh, you know, living here in Grand Rapids, Beer City, USA. Uh, lots of great, pretty amazing beer uh, floating around in Grand Rapids for a long time, but. Um, Based on our research, no one in the history of Grand Rapids had ever legally owned a distillery. And so uh, we just saw this opportunity where, you know, we're spirits guys at heart. We're cocktail guys. And, uh, you know, don't get me wrong. I, I love a good craft beer, but saw this opportunity for kind of a whole that people uh, wanted to know where their products came from, that there's this return to, uh, you know, to doing things differently. And uh, we cooked up this idea that we should start a distillery. Um and, you know, we just had a little Akavit there. Our, our original idea was kind of this commitment to, to taking old world things, to, to, to kind of doing something, doing it really well and doing it right, and kind of proving you could do that with uh, Michigan ingredients whenever possible. And so, uh, you know, we make everything in-house 100%, um, all from Michigan grain. Uh, and uh, our goal was to make world-class spirits doing so. And uh, Akavit was one of our first ideas, you know, after we made uh, our own neutral spirit, uh, which we used to make our vodka and our gin, laid down a little whiskey. We got this idea, like, I really want to make Akavit because it's odd and it's weird and it was hard to find. And so we thought, let's just lean into that a little bit and figure out how to make uh, one that, uh, you know, speaks to us. And uh, it ended up being kind of the thing that put us on the map. It won uh, uh, American Craft Spirits Association uh, Best in Show in 2017, first time a clear spirit ever won the competition. And it's kind of like proof of concept that, you know, we, we knew what the hell we were doing. Love it. Hence, Long Road. Explain why Long Road Distillers. Uh, so Long Road, uh, you know, the name is the idea. It's our commitment to, to doing thing right, things right, not taking shortcuts. Um, we are 100% committed to that if it's in a bottle, we took the raw ingredient and uh, turned it into the final product. We don't source any booze from anybody else. Never have, never will. Um, you know, we're really proud of what we do. We're not, uh, you know, everybody decides on a path. Um, we kind of chose to take the long one uh, because it's the honorable way to do it. It's the right way to do it. It's the honest way to do it. Uh, you know, we're fully transparent about everything that happens at Long Road. If you want to know what's in a bottle, I'll tell you. You want the recipe? I'll tell you. You want to be dumb and start a distillery and, you know, live through the pains that we live through. Godspeed to you. Uh, we're happy to let you do so. But we are 100% committed to doing it right and doing it well. And, you know, that comes with its challenges, right? Like as a startup business that, you know, has a lot of aged products. It's, you know, I don't have whiskey for days. I don't I don't have a lot of, you know, I don't have copious amounts of things. But, you know, I'm really proud of everything I put out and I put my name and my, you know, our, our you know, our, our, our commitment to quality and doing it right 
has, uh, you know, led us on a path that, uh, you know, I sleep real good at night. I love it. Do you have a favorite product? Do I have I a favorite product? I've ever asked you yeah, that. I, I don't know. I mean, I'm a good Irishman. I'll drink what you put in front of me. Um, you know, I, I'm really proud of Akavi, and I think that really was. It was like a thing that I, you know, I said early on I wanted to do, and the original team at Long Road got super into it. And uh, I think it was the thing, you know, the fact that you, you couldn't find Akavi in Michigan outside of like one or two brands occasionally. And then now, you know, you could buy and you can buy it in Meyer. <laughs> like it's like <laughs> we kind of created a category for it uh, mm-hmm. and people know and love it and respect it now. So I'm like, I'm probably most proud of that spirit. Um, but as it comes to a favorite, I don't know. I, I you know, I'm, we've made so many cool things. I drink a lot of gin. We make a lot of great gin. I'm really proud of the gins that we've come up with over the years just because they're all you know, super unique and they've, they've, you know, we've played in a bunch of gin spaces. Uh, but yeah, there's, there's nothing in particular that I say I, I drink more than anything else. That's awesome. awesome. What about you, Kevin? What about me? <laughs> Tell us a little bit about you and your journey and how you came to Long Road and what you're doing on the streets here. Yeah. So, uh, my journey into the spirits world started in, uh, when I was living in Chicago, um, tending bar at a bunch of different places and working kind of through, uh, through all the channels of the on-premise world, uh, managing things from hole-in-the-wall dive bars to two Michelin star restaurants, um, and really getting to know the in-depth side of spirits. Um, and it was a really fun time because that was kind of when the bourbon turnaround started to happen. And you could still get all of the cool bourbons that are allocated now for glass pours at restaurants. So it's kind of a, a really exciting time to come up and learn through that. Uh, then I moved to Michigan and got into the distribution game, uh, started with a small wine distributor and then moved to uh, this bigger company, um, Imperial Beverage. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I was with Imperial for quite a while. Uh, started as a DM of Grand Rapids and then my uh, DM territory expanded. I moved into Grand Rapids, Lansing and a handful of the Lakeshore um, and did that for uh, I want to say four years in that position before I moved into a key account manager role uh, where I was overseeing uh, or a chain headquarters manager role, I guess, where I was overseeing Meyer, uh, Total Wine, Costco, Walmart, Easy Mart, a uh, handful of other uh, C-store channels as well and uh, had a blast doing it. And then, uh, you know, had a great conversation with John and Kyle and we're here today uh, moving booze in the streets and trying to grow this Grand Rapids brand. Um, what I'll say what really brought me to Long Road and really excited me is um, what John was talking about with it being our uh, our motto of taking the Long Road and doing everything from start to finish. When you walk into our distillery and you see it, um, it's not the biggest distillery in the world, but it's like a Tetris match in there every day because uh, they're constantly moving things in and out on forklifts to make sure that our raw grain is being milled into flour before it's cooked and fermented and distilled. Um, and seeing the process of actually doing everything the right way and having integrity behind every single label you have was really impressive to me because um, you don't see that a lot in this industry. Um, there's certainly great people out here doing it, um, but the steps that Long Road goes through to create these products is really something special. Um, and that got me really excited to be a member of the team here. I love that. So obviously taking the Long Road has its challenges. So talk about that a little bit. What are the challenges and what are some of the big successes that you guys have seen that get you really excited? Uh, well, I mean, the challenges is, you know, it's, it's uh, you know, we've all lived through the global pandemic. We were 
uh, you know, kind of once you, you, you felt like you finally got your feet under you and, you know, the rug gets pulled out like it did to so many small businesses and folks in the hospitality industry. I never thought in my life I'd be running a hand sanitizer factory for a short period of time. Uh, amongst other things. But, uh, you know, I think now that we're kind of hopefully on the, you know, the twilight of those days, uh, it's, uh, you know, we're coming back stronger than ever. And I, and, you know, it's really great to see that, uh, you know, nationally that spirits and uh, spirit based RTDs are the growth categories of the world. And, you know, we're kind of think poised to be in the middle of that boom. And, uh, you know, we have some fabulous new products we're super excited about. Um, and are just getting out into market. And I think they're starting to resonate with consumers, both based on the story and you know, ultimately the quality of, of juice in the bottle. And uh, the one thing I'm super proud of and you guys have really helped us lean into was, was the Sovereign Gin that we put out last year. Um, it's a, a reimagination of an old recipe we had that we made one time as a, as a seasonal release. Uh, it's got some super fun ingredients in it. Uh, you know, juniper, like all gin uh, has, um, as well as uh, grapefruit peel, lime peel, uh, bay leaf, um, and uh, uh, Thai basil. And then, uh, you know, the we started looking at this butterfly pea flower stuff that was uh, you know, approved in other countries to be utilized here, but hadn't yet been approved by the FDA for use in, uh, in or not FDA, the you know, TTB to be used in um, spirit production. And then it got approved. And so we decided we were going to bring back this old recipe, but turn it purple. And it's really cool that butterfly pea flower is a, a pH indicator. So as you adjust the acid uh, content of it, it changes color. And uh, we rebranded it in a, as, as Sovereign Gin in a cool package. And um, since we la uh, launched it last year, it is now within a year our number one uh, skew as a spirit. And it's super fun for bartenders to play with. It's fun for even just a you know a person at home making a gin and tonic to pour a little uh, gin into a glass, and then you know you add some tonic water, you add some uh, lime juice to it, you add some soda water and lime, and like the drink changes color before your eyes. And not only is it visually appealing, but then you know on, on the palate, it's uh, it's just an explosion. It's citrusy and it's floral, and it's a really approachable gin. But it also it's got enough character that it, it can stand up in your favorite classic cocktail. Uh, or some, you know, new riff on a old favorite. That's kind of my favorite part about Sovereign is one, the color, like it, it's, it makes for an easy retail and bartender sell because you can impress your friends without having to do much work, right? So if you're at home making a cocktail, you can make a two ingredient cocktail or a three ingredient cocktail that has this pH balance change, so chemical reaction where it changes colors in front of their eyes. So it's really cool to like make this really simple thing that looks like you're doing alchemy in a glass, right? And it's the same thing for bars because a lot of times you know, they don't have the time to make a 22-step cocktail and make it look super cool, but you can make a, you know, a gin and tonic with fresh lime juice, have it change colors, and have everyone in the bar ask what that is and start ordering it. Um, and then the other part to it that um, makes it stand up is the fact that it does have these great ingredients with bay leaf uh, and Thai basil. The first thing you smell and taste when you try it is Thai basil. It's that pepperiness on the nose. So there's another you know big one in the market in this category, but it's basically neutral with a little bit of juniper. So we wanted, if we're going to make this gin, we're packing it with flavor and making it something that's going to cocktail really well. Um, so a basic gin and tonic, a Tom Collins, a martini with this all look beautiful and turn into really, really good cocktails. I think it's been one of the, you know, kind of founding, you know, principles of what we do is we want 
things to be bold, that if we're going to put something out, it's got to not only be, you know, bold in its approach, but it's got to be bold in flavor. You know, we love, you know, when we started this business, it was, yeah, I want to start a distillery and I want to start a great cocktail bar because uh, I love cocktail bars and I love to see what talented people can do with a with a unique spirit. But you also need a, a spirit that can stand up in a cocktail. You know, I, you know, especially in the gin category, like I want to taste gin if you're uh, going to make a, a cocktail with a gin. You want the gin to be the star of the show um, and be supported by the secondary ingredients. And, you know, too often uh, it's a lot of gins you can hide in a drink. And, you know, you might as well just use vodka at that point if you're going to hide the flavor of the gin. Uh, so most everything we do is got to, you know, we, we, we try to pack it as full of a, as much flavor as we can. And to the point, sometimes we've had products that just, you know, you have when you do a distillation with botanicals, you're stripping out uh, oils and essential oils from those botanicals and they'll get into suspension and alcohol because they're, uh, you know, ethanol soluble. But then as you add water to them, they'll come out of suspension. Uh, you know, it's proven challenging to try to find that balance point between like how much flavor can I pack in something and, you know, also make it, you know, stay as beautiful as it can on the shelf. And then we do try to leave things at you know, a little higher proof. So all of our gins are, you know, uh, somewhere between 84 and 90 proof. We want them to, you know, have a little alcohol carries flavor. So we want them to stand up and and have a little more punch to them when you uh, when they're in the bottle. Yeah. 82 proof for the Sovereign Gin. Yeah. So let's try it already. Yeah, right? Well, it is an absolutely beautiful, like, lavender color. Mm -hmm. It's gorgeous. This was the first time I'd ever seen uh, the, the butterfly pea flower utilized this way and seen uh, a, a purple beverage like this. It is incredibly gorgeous. Thank you. Cheers. Cheers. I do get that Thai basil right off the mouth. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But I think what speaks for this gin too, though, is yeah, you, you hit the Thai basil, you hit the bay leaf, the grapefruit, mm -hmm. it's all there. Even though it's at that higher proof, it doesn't burn. It's really mm -hmm. well balanced. Smooth. Very smooth. And it doesn't leave like anything heavy on the, the back end. I've had some gins that leave like mm -hmm. a strong aftertaste. Mm -hmm. This is clean. And you still, I mean, the juniper still is front and center, star of the show, as it should be. You know, the, the rule for gin is that, you know, juniper is supposed to be the predominant ingredient in the gin. So we, you want to have enough juniper in there that you know it's juniper. You're not trying to hide the juniper. I'm not trying to not make it gin. I want it to be juniper forward. But there's a way to have that delicate interplay of the other botanicals to, you know, to accent the juniper, to not make it taste. It's not super piney, but it is, you know, there's enough of it there to, to kind of balance out with the other flavors that are uh, incorporated into it. Speaking of juniper, you lead me to a very fun conversation because I had the opportunity to actually go to the place where you are sourcing your juniper last year. Talk to us about that. Yeah, so uh, we have a product called Michigan. Uh, it has historically been our number one selling uh, SKU. Uh, and uh, Michigan is a uh, trademark. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, a gin uh, that contains only uh, Michigan botanicals and ingredients. So uh, juniper as a botanicals grown wild on six continents. Um, Commercially, it's mostly grown in the in Eastern Europe and in the Pacific Northwest, but it it does grow wild all over Michigan. Uh, through a family connection of my business partner Kyle, uh, we always were looking to find juniper in a in a quantity that made sense that we could actually try to go harvest it for a product. And 
uh, ended up being on Beaver Island. His wife's cousin uh, married a girl from there, and we had this connection. They're like, hey, girls wild everywhere. And so, uh, I don't know, a year after we opened, we were on a flight to Beaver Island the, the next weekend, scouting. Holy cow, there's juniper everywhere. Uh, and we go back every September. We take a whole crew of you know anybody from Long Road that wants to go. Uh, we take care of the whole trip for you. You know, ferry boat ride, you know, put you up in a house or a tent or a cabin or a, you know, wherever you, wherever you want to crash and uh, pay for all your meals. And all you got to do is commit to two days of your life of just hanging out, picking, picking juniper berries. Um, actually, Kyle, my business partner is on Beaver Island right now. Uh, Summer Solstice is here. We sent him up there uh, just to, you know, to, to, to try to celebrate, uh, to, to make an homage to the island, to check on the status of the juniper, to, you know, to, to, to pour out a fifth of gin on Protar's grave uh, as kind of a, a you know, a, 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 a to hope that we have a great juniper harvest this fall. It's something wow. we do every spring and every summer. We we send someone to the island to make a you know kind of a sacrifice of a bottle to uh, to this island legend to ensure that the harvest uh, is bountiful and plentiful. Do you capture to... this through social media? This is quite the first time we've revealed this in public. Or yeah. oh my goodness, I didn't know this. That's very fascinating to me. That's awesome. Yeah. Wow. If you need, you should look up Theodore Protar if you've ever, uh, you know, if you need to know about the you know, this this very important man from the island who came and and helped so many islanders throughout the years. I love that. So anyway, okay. we make this wild juniper. Uh, Learn something new every September. We take the whole crew up there and uh, and pick juniper berries, and then uh, you know we use a variety of other ingredients. The recipe's been modified and changed nearly every year. We kind of have a base recipe, but we're always exploring and we're always trying something. Actually, my distilling team's out today. Uh, have a, uh, a gentleman we met out in Lowell last year. Um, a swordsmith. He's a swordsmith. We didn't know that till after we got there. Uh, but also has a bunch of 50 acres of land that he let us wild harvest uh, sumac and goldenrod on. So uh, the team's out there doing some scouting for botanicals today. We're taking them a few bottles as a thank you for letting us uh, harvest some stuff off his land last year. And uh, they just needed it. They've been working hard. It's, you know, it's hot here in Michigan right now. So we gave the distillers a kind of a play day to go do some do some planning, some bonding, some team building, and figure out a few of the new botanicals we might include in Michigan this year. And uh, yeah. Super fun. That is way, way cool. I love that. So question for you. Uh, do you guys have any thoughts on you know the, snow, the smoke in Northern Michigan right now? Um, do you think it's gonna have any impact on the flavors of the juniper berries or anything like that? It, I don't know. It's interesting, uh, you know, having gone to the island now, I think this will be our eighth year going. Um, so a juniper berry, junipers are actually conifers. So the berry is actually a conifer cone, like a pine cone. Mm-hmm. And it takes a three-year kind of growth cycle for them to develop. Um, we have noticed over the years, just based on, you know, us not only harvesting the same section of bushes, we have some honey holes that we call them, where we know uh, we have some friends that have property that let us go. And we know, like, this is going to be good. And originally we were kind of worried, like we're going to pick this juniper. Is this going to come back? And like a lot of things, you know, uh, organic related, if we actually have found that those bushes actually produce more berries now because we have harvested them. I think it's like, you know, when you deadhead a, a flower, yeah, it, it puts it puts more growth to the other places. So I think pulling off the berries has actually helps them be uh, sustainable. We have noticed based on rainfalls and temperatures, like, you know, sometimes the berries get really plump and, and big and sometimes they're kind of dry. And, it all, I, you know, I, it's got a similar flavor profile every year, but you do notice some some nuance just based on, you know, whatever happened. Kind of like in the wine world with terroir, it's just, you know, what happened with the soil, what happened with the wind, what happened with the rain. Um, you know, fingers crossed, we've always, you know. 
found enough. <laughs> sometimes it's been more of a struggle than others. It's uh, sometimes you got to pick a few more extra spiders and pine pine needles to find the right amount of juniper. But we always get to having enough. Um, yeah. So similar to a wine, there is almost a vintage. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, we label every batch uh, of Michigan with a with a you know a batch number. So you know, this will be batch eight this year. And uh, how do you feel about batch eight? I don't know yet. We don't know yet. Batch, oh, yeah, true. We haven't even harvested the juniper yet. Okay. Kyle's pouring out the fifth right now. <laughs> That's uh, true. Making this, making protar. It, Pro, it's, all, it's all in Protar's he's hands. pouring it out for the homies right now. Yeah. So, uh, But we, I mean, I do think last year's batch was, uh, and I, I don't just say this lightly, I think it was the best batch ever. I do think we, we, we've learned a lot over the years. We've learned how to incorporate the other flavors. Um, the juniper you get from Beaver Island is a little bit more woody, a little bit more cedary. It's a little rounder and softer than maybe some of the commercially harvested uh, juniper that you get. And so, you know, I like my gin crispy and bright and kind of, you know, punchy. Um, and I've always said like our regular dry gin and the sovereign gin is kind of an angular gin. It's got a little edge to it uh, where the, the Michigan has been a little rounder and softer and subtler. I think it's been a good gateway gin for a lot of people because it it, it is a little easier uh, a little more approachable to get into. Um, but I think last year we figured out how to dry it out a little bit. We added some some unique things to it to kind of give it a little more uh, crispness, a little more brightness. Uh, so I'm really excited to see where, where this year's uh, turn uh, takes us. And, you know, I'm, I'm confident we're going to add a botanical or two new to the equation that might, you know, liven things up a little bit. You know, we don't want to stray too far from what we know works, but we're always, you know, we're never set in our ways and have never settled. I think that's part of the fun of Michigan that keeps people coming back to it and gives you a reason to, you know, buy a bottle again. So if, if you were, you know, you guys are working on batch eight, uh, that means there's seven batches that exist. Do you guys keep each of those bottles and do you ever compare them? Oh yeah. We've talked about doing a vertical some at some point I have, I mean, we have bottles of all of them somewhere. I think I have most of them in my basement and Kyle's got, you know, <laughs> we always stash a case or so a year, but so I've got, I've got like an empty bottle of five, six, seven. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, but when talking about that though, like with the, with uh, the cone itself or the berry being different every year, um, something that we do with Michigan a little different than a lot of gins is we, we do a fractional distilling process on it. So with the fractional distilling process, you know, every ingredient is done on its own so that if one year the juniper is more punchy than another year, that allows us to blend the ingredients together as opposed to doing it all at once and not being able to truly control the end of the gin. So by doing this fractional distillation process, uh, we can ensure that we have a really well-balanced Michigan every year. Um, and I think that you know, when you're playing with wild harvest ingredients, it's really important to be able to control the outcome in some way and doing the fractional distillation is a way to do that. And it's also been uh, trying to pay attention to when, you know, harvest things, things ripen and things get ready at different points in time. So that's always also been a struggle is, you know, we don't pick juniper until September, but we're trying to figure out what the batch is up to that point and how much you might need of something. And so it's a lot of like hoping and praying sometimes. <laughs> You're just like, this stuff tastes good. Let's uh, just distill a bunch of it and then hope it's uh, enough to, you know, have an impact on the batch because, you know, it might be ready in June and we're not ready to batch Michigan till October, but let's uh, let's make this fraction of something right now just so we have it, and you know we'll hope that it works when it's you know all said and done. Michigan blending day is always a good day to be working at the distillery. That's fun. That's fun. That's really cool. So we appreciate you guys joining us and uh, sharing some really really awesome information here. 
So, so is there anything new that you guys are working on or recently released or anything that's kind of, you know, fresh for uh, long road distillers? Well, outside of the gin, you know, we've really started to lean into the ready to drink category. I think coming through the pandemic, you know, we were doing things like cocktail kits for people uh, where people were really interested in, uh, you know, they had some time and they had a little extra cheddar in their pocket probably. And they were at home looking for something to do. So Everybody thought they were going to be a home bartender, and uh, we started packaging up some of our favorite cocktails and kits so people could make them at home. Uh, that was really great, and I think people really loved it. But then I, at some point, I think the consumer realized, you know what, uh, this is a lot of work. Uh, I'd rather, you know, maybe someday I'll get to go to a bar again and watch a professional do this. But in the meantime, I'd like something really high quality. I can just... Uh, you know, pop the top on or crack the can on. So uh, we leaned into the kind of old-fashioned category a little bit and uh, started releasing a, a couple different um, ready-to-drink old-fashions. We call one the Midwest old-fashioned. Um, it's bourbon, uh, our cherry liqueur and our orange liqueur, house-made bitters, uh, house-made uh, simple syrup, um, as a really great, uh, you know, kind of traditional, I don't want to say dive bar old-fashioned, but, you know, with the cherry and the orange, it's like, you know, your dad might have drank or your grandpa might have drank. It's really in a, a fun, approachable, easy to enjoy, old fashioned. That's you know, pop the top, pour it over some ice. Uh, you're off to the races. It fits perfectly in a golf bag. It does fit perfectly in a golf bag. It's at a, uh, seventy proof, so it's you know you can actually drink it uh, straight out the bottle if you need. Uh, and then uh, we did a seasonal one for the holidays last year, a gingerbread old fashioned, which. Um, God, trains going by. Yeah, shout out, know, right? train. shout out to the train. Uh, <laughs> Surprise guest uh, in the industrial park here. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah we, then we launched this uh, gingerbread old fashioned, which the last two years at Longer, we've done a, a holiday pop up menu uh, at our locations where we kind of lean into the, the holiday season, gaudy up the restaurants, but also do like a, a, a lot of themed beverages. And the gingerbread old fashioned became uh, the number one selling drink on the menu. So we thought, well, if people like it this much at the bar, we should probably put it in a bottle. And so we released that every. Uh, holiday season, uh, just as a, a good, fun, seasonal, you know, take it to Thanksgiving or Christmas or, you know. Uh, Is that going to be available this year? Yeah. You, it's really great for the feats of strength, too. Excellent. If you celebrate Festivus, mm -hmm. uh, half a bottle of gingerbread old-fashioned, you will be ready to go. Mm -hmm. <laughs> when is that going to be available? Um, this this uh, fall. Well, yep. We're looking for OND. Yeah, okay. OND. And we're going to have, there may be a surprise uh, third old fashioned coming down the pipe for this fall, too. So, uh, something Stay that we're, tuned. We're, uh, we, got, we got some great ideas. We are in it, and uh, maybe even a three pack of uh, old fashions for the holiday season could be, uh, could be on the horizon here. Get your pre orders in now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what a cool gift pack that would be. Who, who wouldn't Absolutely. like three bottles of old fashioned uh, uh, for Christmas? Everyone would like that. I would right? hope so. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Should be a pretty easy sell, you would think. <laughs> <laughs> Challenge well, accepted. Thank you guys so much for joining us. We appreciate you taking the time to speak with us and, uh, you know, share your knowledge and your information and uh, everything that you guys do. I look forward to doing it again. Thank you. Appreciate thank the opportunity. You. And thank you for joining us on another episode of Imperial Beverage Presents Another Round. Until next time, cheers. <laughs>